Thanks for listening to The Wild Women Who Write, Kathy Nichols, Kim Connery, Elizabeth Jones, Kat Filer, and Gabby Anderson. Welcome to Wild Women Who Write Take Flight. We're really excited tonight because we have the king of podcasters. He's been so generous with us. And as soon as we have something going on, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be on my podcast. It's the Really Charlie podcast. And we really have Charlie here tonight. <laughs> Charlie Perry is a man of many talents. He served as a resource officer at a middle school, which, like I said, I'm taking my hat off to him. He currently is a teacher at an elementary school, which is surprisingly even more challenging. And he started his podcast, like many people, with kind of a goal. We were talking about the Wild Women Right mission statement. And I think we could say that ours is helping women realize their power and recognize their worth through the craft of writing and the pleasure of reading. Now we help men too. We, we don't not help men. It's just, as we were chatting before we started, Charlie said something that really hit me about women and writing. A good man will listen to a woman and become a better writer. And it's so true. The, the emotion and feeling of a woman, if you listen well, you learn. And I have done that throughout my life. It, my emotion, a lot of my emotions come from the women in my life that were my caretakers, like my grandmother, my mom, my aunts, and the many women in my life, you know, even in, up to my wife. You know, you got to listen to them because they just say so many things with so many emotions that in me, myself as a poet, I excel by just listening and my writing is usually focused on the feeling of a woman in my life, you know? So including my girls, you know, my daughters that, you know, they go through a lot too. And so. I feel like that comes through in your podcasts. I mean, you interview all different kinds of people. What brought you to become a podcaster? With the uh, pandemic and there wasn't much to do. Previous to the pandemic, I wanted to go on a show, a uh, local cable access show and do it on a weekly basis so once the pandemic hit there wasn't much i could do i couldn't go in studio and do anything so i started just checking out different podcasts through spotify and um i kind of liked it and i could put myself in that position to host or be a guest and then i got the ball rolling and i found out that how easy it was thanks to you know anchor and spotify that was able to Gave me those uh, do-it-yourself videos, you know, on YouTube, and that was it. I had a teacher at home put it on your big screen, your 55-inch TV, and you just let it play, and it teaches you, it teaches you, you know. So when I was stuck, I paused it, listened again, and that's and here I am. And we kind of um, had the situation of I got invited to be on a podcast, and I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. But when I did it, and it was actually kind of easy, I said, you know, we can do a podcast and let's do one. And, exactly. and you can, yeah. So. And I learned Audacity uh, the same way, going on YouTube and looking at the videos mm -hmm. and just t playing around with it. It's exactly how I did it. You know what? You say Audacity, the, they have it on the laptops for the kids in school. Really? It's amazing. 
I said, here I am. I'm trying to learn this. And these kids are coming. They're like whizzing through it like no problem. You say, Mr. Perry, this is how you do it. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, this is this is better than YouTube. They're just like, no, don't click on that. You got to change it. I, I said, oh, my God. This is great. I'm, I'm getting free lessons. And um, we don't do the video for our podcast. It's just audio. But if you were seeing us on video, you would see that we are not high schoolers nor college students. So it's possible to pick up these skills at any age that you really want to do it. I think with technology, if you see a use for it that you think can either help you or help other people, then you just dive into it. So that's another thing to encourage people. So, so true. My mother-in-law is, uh, she's an old dog, don't want to learn new tricks. But I keep telling her, I said, you have to, you have to learn this, you know. She'll pay for her iPhone, but she doesn't know how to work it. Uh, if she likes to read the Bible or read things, they have those Bible apps. I don't know if she does, but I know that causes a lot of people, if they see one thing that they want to do, and they do that one thing, and they get good at it, and it, because it's something they really want, then the technology becomes just a way to get there. It, it's less than, it's not troublesome, it's like helpful. We also want to talk about your new book, A Poetic Pulse. Why did you choose that title? I was trying to, you know, years and years ago, I was trying to like, describe myself. And, and I always kind of stuck on the word heart. But I didn't want to use that. I thought that was just something that was used too much, too often. So, And then I came up with pulse. And then I just added A Poetic Pulse. There's Poetic Pulse and it's all over the place. But I wanted to just add the, the, something to her, and I said, a poetic pulse. It was able to stick with my name, and so when you do put it in, a lot of my stuff is coming up, whether it's poetry that I'm writing or, or something, but it, I try to add that. I need to hashtag it more often, but that's where it came from. You know, I was trying to think of another word associated to the heart, because that's where I try to write from. And I came up with the word pulse. And I think poetry pulses through us more than we realize. A lot of teaching poetry was often an uphill battle because unfortunately, I don't like the way we even taught it. If you teach it as something that's a part of people, uh, a way to express and a way to look at the world in a, with a different lens, I think that many people would find that they love it. I loved your poem, A Crushed Heart Teeny, you managed to pull a lot of the heart themes in, in different sorts of ways. You have nature themes, including Bedford, which is where you're from, mm -hmm. and, and you had uh, the sea, which, of course, I, I really love the sea. I wish I were closer, but maybe with all the hurricanes, I'm fine where I am. Uh, anyway, I, I really feel like your poetry is very relatable. Lisbeth actually studied poetry as an adult, right, with your creative program, and you were brutally, yes. brutally bruised by it. So I want to <laughs> call on you to tell people, don't be, don't be bruised, or bruises heal. Yes, they do. And even if your professor tells you you shouldn't go into poetry, stick with your fiction, ignore that <laughs> completely, because that just gives you the fire to prove them wrong. And so yeah. when you see that first published piece, you're like, uh -huh. I love yeah. it. I've been in that same face-to-face -face situation or conversation with someone 
And um, they kind of discouraged me to go to the university and learn because I thought they were going to try to change me up or discourage me like they did. So I didn't go to the local university just because of that, even though I was encouraged by one of my mentors that was uh, that is a, a poet and he's a professor. It would have been a dream come true to be in his classroom getting taught by someone that you looked up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel what you say, um, what, what you just said, Elizabeth, and um, that your words are just like I like if I just spoke them. You know, I just felt that genuinely, and it was organic to me. So, well, I think what you said about having a mentor is the most important part of a writer's education because you know now people that are thinking about going into a degree program, you know, I don't necessarily encourage them to do that anymore because you know you you're not really taught how to write yes. in a program. You, you were taught how to critique so that you can critique your own work, you know, compared to when I was going and the way things are now, the resources that are available, like you can go to retreats and seminars and, you know, be part of the Atlanta writers club, for instance, exactly. with all the resources that are out there. If you have that one person that you respect, that's the biggest part, I think, of, of what every writer needs to find. Man, you're preaching, preacher Jones. <laughs> I love it. it. It breaks my heart to hear how, that people actually discouraged other people from trying on different wings. You, you know, why would, how would you dare to tell someone you can't do that? Uh, my, my fear as a teacher, I always felt I will never say that to a kid because I will be sitting and watching the Academy Awards one day and one of the (laughs) students will go, and I want to say this to Mrs. Nichols, you said I was terrible. Ha ha, look at me. And I thought that will, I don't want that to be me. And what kind of a legacy is that to give to someone? I I don't understand it. Just since we've done this podcast, how many times have we heard that? People, I think probably three, I would say maybe three or four times people have said, I was discouraged. I was told that I can't write well or that I can't write well enough. And they did anyway, but, you know, it might have sent them in a loop or sent them sort of in a different direction. It's not, it's and, not good. Yeah, that, that's probably maybe, let's say just us four, you know, that's four people, four people in the world. And between all four of us, we met hundreds of people. But we're bringing up that one, two, three, four story and that affected us and that here we are, you know, bestseller or so on and so forth. And, and we're mentioning that one incident and we have hundreds of people in our lives, you know, thousands maybe. It's, it's crazy and it, it's, it's hitting people in the heart when you're negative like that. So Especially it's so subjective. I mean, I, I understand that there's good writing and there's, you know, not great writing, but what people enjoy reading is so completely different. I don't love the idea of somebody saying, no, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. It's, it's not fair. It's not good. Exactly. And that's happened to me once. And, um, and that was at the high school level with that, that was the writer's block that I had. I don't mean to get off subject, but, um, what happened was because of that, I stopped writing. And then later on, I got a national award and I got a a state award for my poetry and it's from the same people, the same circle that nominated me. 
I just allowed one person to discourage me, you know. To this day, I think she still has uh, one of my poems. And uh, it was the best poem I ever wrote in my life. And I don't remember anything of it. Just little bits and pieces, but it never comes out the same. I think you should write a poem about that. I will. Yeah, I think to addressing that emotion and addressing the people like you who you know got one one thing and that spend them like our uh george weinstein you know george and him yeah. when george was 10 he 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 loved sci-fi and i think he was 10 and he sent it he wrote a story and he sent it to like a sci-fi magazine they had no idea he was 10 and and they were brutal to him because i guess they thought he was an adult and but even if he had been an adult and I, he didn't write, I don't think he wrote until he was in college after that. Yes. And he, now he's um, had, what, six or seven published. Uh, Hard Scrabble Road has sold thousands upon thousands of copies. And, and he, incur- he mentors and encourages other people. And I think when you've had an experience like that, you often turn to mentoring or podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I, I can't. I'm, I'm glad I have something from all of you, except Miss Jones. She's a slacker and she's not yeah. getting involved. Exactly. You know, she, get it she needs yeah. to get on the Really Charlie podcast soon. Yes. But we need her on here when she gets her book signed and delivered, you know. I look forward to it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, when you were talking about um, a, a woman making you a better writer. I was thinking that the same was true for me through my mother, who was also my mentor when it came to any kind of creating. I feel like she's the one that taught me how to see the world around me. So like one of my first memories is, you know, before I went to kindergarten, she drew some pictures on a piece of paper and put the word underneath it. And so Mm -hmm. for me, the image and the words are the same thing. It's the visual and then the way that the words sound. That's like, that's how my brain works all the time. So I noticed that when you post some of your poetry on Facebook or other uh, social media places that you often include an image Mm -hmm. along with with the verse and everything. So does it work like that for you too? Where, you know, there's just this convergence of you've got something in your mind and then it comes out in words, but you don't want to let go of that image either. It's so true. And sometimes I mean, if, if I don't have an image on the poem, it's because the words just came up and I just, just basically just started writing. But a lot of times I've been doing of late is taking a picture and not having any kind of, I, I didn't have any direction of where I was going. I just grabbed a picture and I said, let me write about it. And what it does is it challenges my poetry, it gives me something that I wasn't thinking about. I wasn't it's like not right. And I just go on and I just try to be creative. And the end result is what I, what you have seen. And But I love it. It was something that I came across. And uh, I just started practicing that over and over and over again. And I become a better writer just by doing that. Yeah, the visual world is just presenting itself to us all the time, drawing us out into it. 
so that we can see like, oh, what I'm seeing probably reflects what's going on on the inside of me. And so how can I get those two things together with some words? And then, you know, I remember in school, I'd be under a deadline and I would feel completely uninspired and I would just see a painting or something. And then like the, the famous night, Nighthawks with Edward Hopper's painting where the people are in the diner. I just looked at it and then I thought, I guess I'll just pretend that these people are real and have them talk to each other and then something's going to happen. And so there was, you know, I had something to turn in at least, but um, there's just, there's hardly any excuse mm -hmm. for, for not being inspired because it's just the world just throws things at you left and right as, as fast as it can. You just got to kind of be willing to, uh, to accept it somehow, get your old catcher's mitt out there. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that and through Gabby's writing, um, just because I'm reading it now, and I, I definitely would get it through Kathy and you also. But the one thing that Gabby does for me is that her words give me a very clear, clear visual. And so when when I see and well, when I'm reading her, her characters, I can definitely grab a great visual of it. And, and I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. That's the way I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be like Gabby. You know, the way she kind of format, it just describes everything. It's so real. And sometimes I want to get like that with my poetry and go from, go from one scenario to the next, but be so, so descriptive. Sometimes I cut my poetry short when I can probably go a little further and then I stop it. I wish I could continue on, but sometimes I, most of the time I don't. So my, my poems are usually shorter than most and they could be a whole lot longer. What you're saying, because Gabby has at the beginning of her story, I don't know if she knows it, but she has a poem at the beginning of her story because she has an image of a cheese puff. Yes. <laughs> that compare, the character compares her marriage to the cheese puff and, mm -hmm. and all of the seagulls trying to get it. And that is basically, that is the, the heart of poetry is that image that's so crystalline that you just can't reduce it down any further. It's just, boom, it's right there. So now every time I see Chief's Puffs, I think of Kathy's book. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, but you also, guys. I'm just like yeah, well, smiling so much too, right now. That, as, you know, we've talked about like the visual aspect of poetry, but there's the lyrical aspect of what you hear, you know, and I think that it's good for people to have some background in poetry when they want to write fiction because, mm -hmm. you know, the two can blend together and, and there's like, there can be this lyrical quality to the narrator's voice, to a character's voice. And both Kathy and Gabby have that going on a lot in their stuff, like with Gabby, the Hungarian, Peyton with her mother. And um, that's really, and Kathy uh, as well. And in fact, Kathy, the first time I heard her speaking in a group, I thought, I always want Kathy to read my work aloud. Can I hire you? <laughs> that is sweet. Uh, that comes from years of facing really tough high school audiences and thinking, I've just got, I've got to vote for it because they're not listening to me. They're not going to listen to me. But one thing I wanted to say too, Charlie, you were talking uh, and, and what Elizabeth said about the poetry can be a basis to help you with fiction. In, in all writing, you're trying to appeal to all the senses. And I think poetry really does a good job of that. And I'm just looking at your poem, The Orange Peel. 
and you you hit everything you don't hit smell you don't specifically say how it smells but you don't have to because mm -hmm. i was smelling it as you peeled it you talk about your fingertips scratching the surface you talk about the taste you talk about swallowing the taste which is a cool <laughs> turn of phrase it's different you, you know you could have just said swallowing but swallowing yeah. the taste is is really a cool thing. And then we were talking about the lyrical part is your oak tree thing. I almost could hear that being a dance. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why, but or it was, I guess it would be kind of, I don't know, not funky music, but maybe kind of a bluesy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I could I could feel it when you're talking about the swing, swing, swing. It's the oak tree thing, you know, and, and that sounds like, oh, well, that's a cute little rhyme, but it was more than that. It was like a, it, it was like, you gotta get up and move. So I thought yeah. you're doing a lot of things with fewer words. And, you know, I don't, and that's why I don't write poetry. I talk too much. And I have, I, I have too many words. So poetry makes me have to be economical with my words and I can do it, but it's painful. So I admire I, poets. Thank you. Thank you. That, that means a lot to me um, coming from you. The utmost respect I have for all of you. It's just, you know, when you, when you're talking about my poetry or someone else's, I'm listening and learning and, uh, you know, and I could relate to a lot of things that you're saying um, only because I'm like a sponge right now. And, and if, if writers are talking to me, I'm listening because I have so much time to do my writing that um, I'm trying to capitalize on it because you never know. Tomorrow isn't promised and I don't know what will happen to me or, or somebody else that may stop me from writing. So I'm trying to get as much as I can on the bookshelves, whether it's my own or, or, or someone else's and, um, and leave my my name behind somewhere on the shelf. Do you write your wife some of the love poetry? Yeah. There's, a line, there's a line I love. It's like wisdom and survival. You are my heart's revival. And that hit me, that's almost religious too. I mean, I'm from the South. Uh, I don't know if uh, tent revivals are in other mm -hmm. parts country but we had some real scary ones actually <laughs> you yeah. know people get real worked up it was kind of a little scary but uh i thought of that you're you know just saying you are my heart's revival if you wrote that for your wife i'm sure you got lots of points on that one so yes i did i actually i wrote a whole book for her and i um i didn't publish it but i put it in a in a binder and sort of in book form and gave it to her for valentine's day and um, it's still one of my favorite books. And I, I like to remind her occasionally when she says, really, Charlie? I said, I'm the only man in the world that wrote a book about for you and about you. So it did till this day, every Valentine's Day, I think about it. And it's weird because it's it's like, I forget the year, but it's the pixels in the, in the uh, pictures are really kind of, you know, it reminds me of an old video game, you know? So when you look at it now, it's kind of crazy looking, but the words, are you no, know, they still touch home and they still feel good, you know? Like you, well, pick you can have an anniversary edition you give her someday. <laughs> you can have it yeah. rebound up to date. Yes, <laughs> I, I, that's a great idea. And um, 
who knows? I mean, I still have some time till Mother's Day, so maybe I could write something and uh, and get it done for her, you know. And think about the legacy that I don't know if your kids have seen it. That when you yes. guys are gone, your kids will say, "Look, you know, Dad wrote this to Mom." And true, how special that is. That's that doesn't happen every day. That's that's a beautiful thing. No, it does. Uh, it, uh, I love that. Yeah. My, my husband, my husband walked into the room while you were saying that, and. Luckily, I had on mute. He said, "Oh boy, I'm in trouble." But, <laughs> but no, that that it, that's a beautiful gift. Thank you. So, would you like to tell us a little bit about your podcast, when it is, and how you have a very eclectic group of interviewees or whatever? Would mm-hmm. you just tell us a little bit about that? It's it's it was it still is on Anchor and Spotify. I now went to. Uh, WMB1 Radio, which is my friend's station, and uh, wanted to add to the station, so I felt that I could bring the broadcast there, and he thought it was a great idea. So on Tuesdays, um, I will be on WMB1 Radio, and uh, my podcasts are just primarily trying to give people their flowers while they're standing, you know, when Elizabeth is ready for her book. I want to put it around there. I want to highlight it pretty much what I'm doing with cat cat this week, you know, uh, coming up, you know, it's her new book and shadow runner. And I just want to kind of blow it up and just throw it out there. I had a great time when Gabby was on there on when we went on fireside and, uh, which is another platform I use. And I basically want to just put someone out there. It, it was, it's so nice. To, I, I think as a, a guest or, or a host is that later on you get to listen to yourself being interviewed and people talking about you or maybe critiquing you. It, it's so nice to listen to it later, you know. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I listened to, you know, both your interviews, interviews, Kathy and Gabby, and just listening to it and and actually getting some some pointers and teaching, you know, because I I, I might have made a mistake that I f- you know felt I needed to correct. Or I should have just left it alone, leave it organic, you know, that's just have a conversation. And that's what I like about it. It's a lot. It was very fun to be on yours. I have to confess, I didn't know that my my video was going to be on there. So I thought, oh, man, but (laughs) but I started talking to you and forgot all about it. So I was looking at your poem called Welcome Friend, and it reminds me of the experience of being on your podcast. feels like you are just welcoming people taking uh let us take the time this time yours and mine talking and reminiscing and i am here now and then so please come again and that really feel i like the i am here now and then and that's what you were just saying by having the podcast and having it recorded you're here now and then for as long as that format exists so that's a very cool thing in your acknowledgments in your book and i'm gonna repeat it a poetic pulse you say you have works in progress. Do you want to talk about any of your works in progress or you just want to encourage people to always have a work in progress? Well, I, I kind of, I'll do both because you should always have a work in progress. Like, all right, when, when you create something, I was taught and learned, I was taught by a mentor of mine who is and, and was a teacher. He had talked to me and he said, look, you do this book and it's the book that Kathy that you have right now. He, he had that book. He said, you have this book right now, but you have to start your second one and have it ready 
So when a publisher comes to you and says, I like this, I like this. Do you have another one? He said, yep, already ready. And so I'm always ahead of the game. I can, I, I say this all the time, every week. I can write a book a month easily because I'm writing every single day. So when it comes to gathering things, gathering the poem, it's right there. I just got to format it and, and put in the proper template and then boom, I'm done. I truly love self-publishing because it teaches me my mistakes and, and, and the mistakes that I'm making. So whether it's how I'm putting the book together, what I'm saying, and I love it. I always try to be ahead of the game. And this, I don't know if you can see this book, the latest one, the Poetic Pulse 3. This one I did in eight hours. My friend took that picture, and I like to do that. I like to take pictures from friends of mine, artwork from friends of mine, and basically put it to my cover. So there's an attachment to, there's somebody else, somebody in my circle that's getting the praise also, this beautiful picture. I decided the night before I was going to write a book. I said, I'll wake up in the morning with my cup of coffee and I'm going to just write until I'm finished. And that's what I did. And then I send it to the, to the publisher and then boom, it was done. And then I bought it. When it came back in, when it came into the house, came to the house in four days, I made mistakes. So some of the poems were on a, they wasn't worded. The pages were all, it was, it was a, it was a mess in the beginning. So I said, oh my God, I forgot to use the template from the publisher. I put it in Microsoft exactly the way I wanted it. And it, it, it I made a mistake. I made a mistake. So I had to do it all over. So within a couple of hours after that, it was all set. But meanwhile, four people had bought the book. So they had the bad version of it. So I said, look, if you have the bad version, I'll send a new one to you free of charge. You can keep both books. I don't care. I'm sorry. They said, no, I want this. I want this messed up version. I want to, I want to show everybody that you made a mistake. <laughs> So it's like it was a collector's item now, like a stamp. Yeah. That's a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, then, you do learn a lot. You learn a lot when you're writing. You learn a lot about people. When you're self-publishing, to me is uh, is a little scary, but you make it sound friendlier, and <laughs> and more of a teaching tool. So people who want to do that don't be like me and be scared of it. I of course we when you're writing a longer book, you have a lot more opportunity to make mistakes. So, so that is a little scary, but well, it's been so nice talking to you and we really appreciate the spirit that you had in having us on and knowing that you're open to helping other people that way. I really just can't say enough about what a, a positive experience it's been talking to you and being on your podcast. Thank uh, you. you tell everybody one more time the pod, the name of the podcast and where they can get poetic a poetic pulse. Okay. The name of the podcast is Really Charlie Podcast. It's on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Fireside, and now WNB1 Radio, which is a internet radio, and you can apply it to your devices, whether it's Apple or Android. All my books can be easily found on Amazon.com. 
just put in Charles Perry Jr. Some books just came out Charles Perry, but if you remember a poetic pulse, they're all going to come on it because I probably that's the key word I use. And that's about it. And I'm looking for guests. So if you want to be a guest on the really Charlie podcast, you just send me an email to really Charlie podcast at gmail.com. And I will gladly put you on there, whether you're an author, singer, dancer, teenage icon, I don't care what it is, you know, you know, I, I want to put you on there and, um, I'm waiting for Elizabeth Jones to come on and, and send me a, an email because I am definitely going to set her up, um, before she becomes big time and has a bestseller. <laughs> so I want to make sure I get that video, you know, let's to give okay. us our flowers while we're, we're still digging. Yes so much and good luck with all your poetic and other adventures. Thank you for joining us tonight. We welcome your comments and invite you to check out our Wild Women Who Write website. Until next time, keep writing and stay wild. <laughs>